0: blog talk radio
1: good afternoon everyone welcome to NJSBA's podcast program conversations with educators on the COVID-19 Frontline. Uh, with me today is superintendent of uh, the Wildwood City School District uh, Kenyon Cummings I'll introduce him in a second but if anyone's uh, listening on our uh, uh, and they want to ask a question they have two ways to do that they can log into our chat room uh, and just uh, register, you have to register with Blog Talk Radio, but you just type anything, uh, comment or question in there, I'll pass it on to our guest. Uh, or if you just want to call in, you dial 1 347 989 8904, and uh, Robin, who's manning our switchboard, will uh, get your name and question and pass it on and pass you on to me. Uh, as I said before, Kenyon Cummings is a superintendent in Wildwood uh, District. Uh, Down in Cape May County, I'll have him describe it. I know most people probably think of it just as a a boardwalk and resort area, but it's a very uh, vibrant town, and they have a school district. So, uh, Kenyon, why don't you, uh, first of all, welcome, and just tell us a little bit about your school district.
0: Hi, Ray. Uh, Thank you uh, for having us and letting me represent Wildwood today on the podcast. Um, Wildwood is, you get to Wildwood via exit four on the parkway, so it is very far south. Uh, we do have a very robust summer economy on the boardwalk, but uh, the, a lot of the people that make that really happen uh, are west of the boardwalk, and they have some significant challenges in their lives. Uh, we we are a pre-K to 12 district. We have a high school. Our high school is one of the smaller group one high schools in the state. Uh, Pre-K to 8, we are uh, just Wildwood City, and we receive for North Wildwood, wildwood crest and uh, west wildwood is our sending districts into the high school so uh, pre-k to eight if we look at the demographics of the city we've had uh, years where we've hit 90 percent free and reduced we're 80 percent minority at that level we're a CEP cep district so we qualify for the community eligibility provision for food assistance uh, and that's available to every student all the way through 12th grade. Our demographics balance out a little bit in the high school uh, with the sending districts coming in, um, so that's a, a, a unique component. Uh, as far as the city goes and the, the local population, Wildwood is usually top two in the state of New Jersey for having the highest percentage of students mm-hmm. that are school-age, children that are school-age living below the poverty line per the safe Census data, uh, and we're a walking district because the island is uh, five miles total, and the city of Wildwood is in the center of that, so we have very mm-hmm. minimal busing uh, that's required within the IEP uh, if a student has that within their um, their resources uh, so it's a very unique district it's a very fun place to work, uh, but it has some challenges, and uh, we have a great faculty and a very supportive community that helps us. Uh, really meet the needs of the students the best we can.
1: Yeah, and, I, and I'm i glad you described it because I think a lot of people have don't know that much about sometimes our shore communities. Uh, they only see the boardwalks and the vacation homes. Um, now, when th- this pandemic started breaking, uh, I, I know in Cape May you probably got there a little later than other parts of the state but you still had to operate under the same rules. What were some of your first thoughts and steps that you had to take when you saw that this was going to be a reality?
0: So, so our county uh, association of superintendents works really well together. So that we, there had been a lot of dialogue with our executive county superintendent who also brought in uh, administrators from the health department uh, a week or two prior to the actual closure. So there was a lot of great brainstorming and information sharing at that point. And then as we got closer to this, uh, and when it really looks uh, were being uh, requested to put together closure plans for remote learning and things of that nature, uh, we put a lot of our focus on uh, what are we going to do about food stability for our students, because we do have 950 students that rely on us for at least two meals. They get breakfast and lunch, and then we also run a um, Century 21 program for grades 3 through 12, and students who are there for that program through 530 also get dinner. So that was where a lot of our effort was put initially. Um, luckily, we have a great food service provider, our lead there, uh, Jim Lenington with Chartwells. We do contract for that. He had a plan put together. As soon as I brought it up to him, I had it that evening, and it was very comprehensive. Um, we, we've modified it a couple times since, but – It would still be fine on its own. Uh, And then we um, talked to our admin teams, who then met with our teacher teams to start discussing what to do with the instructional component. Uh, We were not future ready. Uh, We only had about half as many devices as we would need to cover our student population. Those devices were purchased through donation money from alumni and other third party resources that are out there. Um, So the the directive was to make sure that we're giving students. work that they can do independently without an internet connection or a device so that worked for two weeks uh, and also we had teachers that were starting to utilize some of the software platforms that we have we have the full google suite um, and that was going well but obviously the access wasn't there uh, due to the digital divide and and the access issue with students so um, we started looking at that as we got deeper into the closure Um, And I know we'll probably talk about that that later, but um, initially that's where our resources and our energy went as far as planning goes.
1: Okay, so I just want to do a little follow-up on the food distribution. How many days a week do you do that, and what are some of the mechanics of that? I know you probably adjusted it along the way, but...
0: Yeah, I mean, this is something that... um, is is, I'm I'm happy, very happy with the way this is going. So initially it was five days a week. Uh, When we started the closure, we had late spring-like weather. It was beautiful out. And then it started raining uh, in biblical proportions, it seemed, (laughs) soon after that. And because a lot of our families are limited with transportation and it is a walking district, we were trying to figure out a way that we could do a distribution that was consolidated so that they could only show up to the school a couple of times a week. Um, so they wouldn't be making as many trips. So we started doing Monday and Thursday distribution. So Monday uh, covered Monday through uh, Wednesday, and Thursday covered Thursday through the weekend. Uh, We were able to do that. We modified our seamless uh, summer option, and that not only allowed us to feed through the weekends, but it, it also opened up the ability to feed through spring break, we, we have a full spring break. A lot of our families, because it is a resort town, utilize the, the school breaks within the year to do their family vacations because they're usually committed to businesses in the summer. Um, so we were able to feed through that full 9, 10-day break. And then that, that same option will allow us to feed all the way through June 30th. So um, that happened. And also we have a fresh fruit and vegetable program which we were running at the elementary school, that's site specific. But again, our uh, food distribution uh, company or our food uh, vendor was able to get permission from the department of agriculture to move that site to the high school, which is where more central. And that's where we were doing our food Mm -hmm. distribution. So we were able to use that grant to also pack out uh, the food distribution with fresh fruit and vegetables. um, In addition to the government commodities that we're eligible for. So, not only do we have breakfast and lunch going home for each student four, seven days a week, we also were able to distribute a bag of fruit and vegetable, uh, fresh fruit to families and a bag of uh, fresh vegetables and potatoes, things of that nature, which has been expanded to breaking up the. We get large bags of pasta, so we've broken them down with the help of the, uh, volunteers to one-pound bags with the with. Uh, uh, a, a jar of marinara uh, to go along with that with families as well. So um, we've really looked at all of the different channels for food assistance that can come to the school. And we've worked with the different agencies to figure out how we can steer that towards our students and families. So um, I was there today and the line was going around the corner out of the courtyard. So the the need is very much there. Mm.
1: Um. So you talked you a little bit about the digital divide um that must have been one another huge challenge um how did you uh, uh cause you had a plan for 2 weeks then you had a and then they had to break but how did you uh, proceed after that
0: So that uh, we we had talked to other colleagues that had uh, initiated one to one programs in their school districts so we knew that there were a number of steps that we had to take to implement one even if we wanted to try to deploy the devices that we had so we we decided that we would distribute third through twelfth grade Um, we had to buy bags for the devices we had to update policies we didn't have the appropriate uh, firewall software so all those things had to go in place before we distributed um, we spent the majority of spring break, getting this ready and getting all those pieces put together. And we started distributing, uh, once we returned from spring break, um, the, I shared before in another interview, like we did, we then had things happen that we weren't anticipating. So the firewall catches um, issues. So you start to learn a little bit about the experience of the students, especially during the closure and some of the, the trauma that's in place there. So that firewall would flag things about uh, abuse and different things that the students were experiencing. So then we had to make sure that we had a system so that that wouldn't get lost. Uh, and then we were able to still give students that support and be that safety net that schools are for them. So we were dispatching principals and guidance counselors, et cetera. Uh, based on those flags. So um, the the issue now um, outside of that is just the connectivity issues. So there are hotspots that are open and available, um, but not everyone is close by, and it's very difficult to survey that. Um, One of our best mechanisms for serving experience of the families is just through our teachers because they're in contact with our our students uh, daily. Um, And they've been able to communicate to us what some of the obstacles are with Internet access. So so some people had outstanding bills or something of that nature. So we've just tried to figure that out as those individual situations have been identified. So that's one of the benefits of being a smaller district is that we can um, really try to do things on the student and family level and make sure that needs are being assessed and addressed.
1: Now, you had to put all these plans together. How did you communicate that? with both the staff uh i guess the staff would be more about the the, the lesson plans and all that but it also the parents mm-hmm. to let them make them feel comfortable okay what's happening so how did you communicate with both uh, entities
0: again we we crafted letters as many other districts did and just outlined the circumstances and what we were doing and um just sharing whatever information we had in in that moment. Because once the letter is completed, it's it's already outdated. So we were doing our best to capture everything that we could share with families. Uh, a lot of our families, um, we didn't have current email addresses for them, and things of that nature. Uh, the mailing wasn't going to be efficient. It's the, the, right now, the robocalls have worked really well for us um, initially. And as we've updated uh, different changes that we've had, And we've had a lot on social media. So we'll just – we've put our pictures of letters up on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. uh, And that's been pretty effective, uh, getting information and then making sure that our teachers are following up. That's the mechanism now is just to make sure that they're sharing that information and and reaching out to families.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, As we proceed on this now – Everyone, you know, we were I don't think anyone was thinking, okay, we're not going back to school in March. You know, when we mm-hmm. were t- first talking about this. What do you see as the biggest challenge as we move forward with through this closing to the end of the year?
0: Uh between now and June, you mean?
1: Yeah. Uh, September's uh, a whole uh, that's a whole program <laughs> in and of itself.
0: Yeah. I I think right now it's just we still have to close out the year and we've been very cautious with how we've staffed our buildings. Uh, we still need to give students opportunities to come in and collect personal belongings. We still need to give teachers access to the buildings um, to close out their classrooms. Cause we left with, with the guidance that we had at the time, we were going to be out for two to three weeks. Uh, classrooms are still as if you, they, they, they appear as as they were when you left the building then. So we really need to get to a point where we're able to get clerical staff, custodial staff and instructional staff in the buildings so that we can close them out appropriately. And the challenge is uh, how do you do that without putting anyone in harm's way and making sure they feel comfortable and that you're giving them the right equipment and the right space and the right scheduling to do that fairly. And again, that's changing. Like we're trying to do things that parallel what's going on with the economy and commerce uh, so that's been my challenge is like ultimately that falls on central administration and you have a lot of people that you're responsible for. We have 950 students, have another 200 employees. So uh, that's been a big challenge for me because you, you know what's, you know how to do things efficiently, but you want to do them and you want to be effective. But at the same time, you don't want to put anyone in harm's way.
1: Mm. Um, as we went through this and I know, uh, you alluded that your staff has reacted, has been amazing. Was there any, you know, did some, some, a couple of your teachers or even a, other staff members do something that you thought was so creative that you were so proud of them?
0: There's been so many. And uh, I, it's just, it's it's kept me energized just to see how adaptive our staff has been and how, uh, they've really been willing to do everything and anything for our kids. So, I mean, one example was early on, the elementary school did a teacher parade around the island. Um, they decorated their cars and it, it went on for hours. Uh, and the the pictures of that and the responses of students and families, I think at that time, everybody really needed that emotionally. Uh, and that was pretty, pretty profound. Uh, And then I was a huge fan of TikTok Tuesday, where our staff and our students were all posting videos that they had put up on TikTok of different dance moves and parody things that were on there. I myself did not participate, but there was like I think it. it, (laughs) I think it um, it it gave everybody a special window into like who we are outside of school and how we all are individuals. And You got to see people's pets and. just them in a different element and I think as a community there was a, a huge benefit to that just to remind us all of, of the connections that we have because it's it's largely all about relationships and that was something that as simple as it sounds uh, had a huge impact and a huge uh, response from our school community.
1: Um, I think when this happened uh, In fact, I know. I I know. My first thoughts when when I saw that this is going to be going on for a long time, is I did think of our high school seniors. Mm -hmm. uh, That this is a you know, it's kind of their year is a lot different than most high school seniors' year. A lot of the celebrations are not there. We're not even sure what the rules are for graduation at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, did anyone? uh, How do you deal with your high school seniors? You're a small school too. But uh, mm-hmm. it's still, um, I, I kind of feel heartbroken for some of these kids. So this
0: class is uh, one of the, the smaller bubbles that we've have come through Wild High. So we have 51 graduates in this, in this senior class, and um, we've known them for a long time. I was their elementary school principal uh, when I got – that was my first admin job, and they were in kindergarten. So I've literally watched these kids grow up and I'm really proud of the gains that they've made. And I'm very sad for them because this, this last couple of months for a senior is so special. Like there's a lot of award ceremonies and different activities that happen. They didn't get to have their prom. They didn't get to have their senior picnic. Um, the graduation guidance is, um, is it, starting to become clear. So it's, they've taken it well considering all the circumstances, but um and that's a challenge in trying to figure out how to do things that are unique and special um, to, to to send them off in an appropriate way. So, um, I will share what we're doing if you're interested in our graduation plan, because um, I think that's unique. Do yeah. we have time for that? Yeah. At, um, yep. So, because it's a small geographic area and because we have a, a class size that, that's manageable. We're gonna actually do a hybrid. So we have a virtual ceremony that the high school staff and the principal are planning um, that they'll come in and and film different pieces of individually, maintaining uh, the appropriate distancing protocols and uh, obeying the executive orders. But also on the day of graduation, we're constructing a virtual graduation stage or a mobile graduation stage. So we're actually going to visit each home uh, with the same setup that you would experience in our auditorium. So the board president, myself, and the principal will be on stage. We're going to have their uh, table with their awards and their diploma and anything else that they would have gotten during this uh, duration at the end of the year. Uh, and we'll have an opportunity to for them to see their family, to see their, their principal one more time. Uh, and we're we're excited. It's going to be something that I think is very unique to Wildwood, and I think it's special, and I think it's uh, it's approaching what they really do. Obviously, we'd rather have a full in-person ceremony like we've done for the last 110 or so years, uh, but I think this will be a special way to recognize them and celebrate their achievements and the conclusion of their public education.
1: Okay. Uh, thank you. And, Kenya, and I, I will bring you back when we start talking about which will be in about two weeks, if not sooner. Uh, I'm going to bring some people back about preparing for September, and uh, uh, that's going to have some of its own challenges, I believe. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Agreed.
1: So, uh, so thank you for joining me, uh, and good luck with the rest of your school year. And uh, I, I do like your uh, graduation. It is it, that's the one advantage of having a small school is you can maybe work those personal mm-hmm. touches in a little bit easier.
0: Yes. So, and then thank you again for having us, and I appreciate it, and uh, look forward to
1: talking to you again. Okay, thank you. Kenyon Cummings from the Wildwoods uh, School District in, down in Cape May County, exit four. Uh, so everyone have a good afternoon, and I hope you uh, all stay healthy and safe.